other advice would be to get it all done behind the scenes and then launch it all together or as close together as possible so that there's no um, mismatched branding at any point. Yeah. Uh, so for example, like make your new website and your profile picture live at the same time. Um, and get excited about the rebrand and get your audience excited about it. You know, like you can tease it on your socials um, and get everyone excited to see the new look. G'day, I'm Lockie and welcome to D2C Slingshot, a podcast where we interview brand founders and industry experts to help you out on your own journey. And I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, cool. So I'm joined here with Bianca today and you just want to quickly introduce yourself and Bespoke Studio. Yeah. Um, so my name is Bianca. I own Bespoke Studio, which is like a full service digital marketing agency. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's, <about laughs> That's it. really it. Okay, cool. So <laughs> what do you specialize in at Bespoke Studio? Obviously, there's a whole range of digital marketing um, niches that you can go down. What do you specialize in? Yeah. Um, so the whole concept of Bespoke is to act as a one-stop shop. Um, so I want small businesses to be able to come to me for all kinds of different things um, rather than having like one person for each different service. But I would say my best selling services are email marketing, um, brand design and website design. Yeah. So a lot on the design side of things, branding and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And how did you um, get started with that? Um, oh, it's a bit of a long story. That's that all right. Okay? We have heaps of time. <laughs> okay, good. Cause I talk a lot as you know. Um, okay. <laughs> so I kind of dipped my toe into, um, digital marketing when I started my first business, which was a product based e-com store. Um, and from there I kind of just like fell in love with business e-commerce marketing. Um, so I decided to go to uni to pursue a business degree. Um, so I'm currently in my third year of that, almost finished, almost there. Um, and yeah, throughout the last few years, I was living in Melbourne when we went into lockdowns. I was working in retail, which means that every time we locked down, I was stood down from work. <laughs> um, and eventually I just got sick of it because it was like, I think almost a year of lockdown total broken up. Um, and in one of the last ones, I reached out to a local business and asked if they wanted help with their social media. Um, so I was doing that for a few months. And I think that's when I realized like, oh, I can actually like do this and make a business out of it. Yeah. Um, so I went back to my retail job for a while and I just hated it. Like I was <laughs> wishing the hours away and I just thought that's no way to live your life. So I gave two weeks notice and I started Bespoke from there. Oh, you're much kinder than me <laughs> when I quit my job. I just said there was like a, like a couple of days you could take off over Easter, and but you'd yeah. get 10 days over like a weekend over Easter, right? So I was just yeah. like, I'm not coming back. <laughs> I was just like, yeah. that. I was just like, nah, I'm done. Catches. Yeah, so wishing away those hours, yeah, definitely makes sense to me, especially when you get a taste for that online business, even just working from home. A lot of people aren't even going back Literally. to the office now or trying to avoid it heavily, or maybe they're doing yeah. a bit of a hybrid between work from home, work from the office. But yeah, working from home, not having to 
go out and talk to people that you don't like or they're unhappy at work as well uh it's a lot better than um yeah working in say retail or the office or something like that for sure so so you just um mentioned that you started a business to start with and that's sort of how you got into digital marketing and I, yeah. I remember Katie, my girlfriend, actually brought some booty bands from you. So you just want to dive yeah. into a little bit about a bit more about that business, how you got started and what you learned from that when you were first beginning. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I've always known that I wanted to have my own business or like build something, you know, like, yeah, I want to kind of like make a mark on the world I guess and I also love the idea of with your own business there's no cap on like how much you can build it or what you can do with it um so yeah I think at the time okay a side note I've had a lot of different jobs like way too many different jobs um and I think it's mainly because I don't really like working for other people so anyway at the time, I was working in the call center for Australia Post, which is like just as awful as it sounds. <laughs> and so each fortnight, I would save a bit of my pay to start a business. I didn't even know what business at the time, but I would be researching like every night after work. Um and I decided on doing, yeah, booty bands, like fitness resistance bands, because yeah. they weren't huge at the time. Like there are a couple of businesses doing it. This was 2019. Um, and so, yeah, I started developing that. Um, what was the question, sorry? <laughs> Just a bit, bit about <laughs> what you learned over that um, journey. Oh. Yeah. And is it still running? No. So, Okay. I learned a lot during the journey, like everything from product development to marketing to, yeah, everything, influencer management, um, because I was doing it all myself and I developed the product myself. I worked with manufacturers in China um, to create custom resistance levels and stuff which is why I think my resistance bands were elite. Yeah, I even, <laughs> I even got some booty growth out of them as well. I pinched them off Katie when she was forcing me to do a lockdown workouts at home. They're actually good, right? Yeah, like, they didn't snap. I, I was always scared to use resistant bands just because you see those videos online about them just snapping and hitting people in the face and that. Yeah. yeah. No, it won't happen with these ones. Um, and mine is still going strong. Um, but yeah, I decided, so I actually launched that, I think it was February, 2020 and then March, 2020 lockdown hit in Melbourne. And it was like, you know, we all know what happened in 2020. Um, in the end I made a profit. I sold all of the resistance bands, but I decided not to do another, like not to buy more product. Um, because I needed the money for other things being like, you know, not having a job. So yeah, living, living <laughs> what and surviving. Can you do? Yeah. yeah. 
So other than that, obviously you've gone to uni and learned a bit more about digital marketing and branding and stuff like that. How has like that uni education versus like the YouTube education or the consultants or courses that you brought online, how does that differ? And what are the main differences between those options for maybe someone considering going to uni for marketing? Yeah, I think it really depends. Um, If you want to be an employee at a large company, I think uni is probably the way to go. Um, Yeah, branding at uni or marketing business, all of that, it's very, very, very theory based. Um, So you kind of learn like the history and the nuance of marketing or whatever you're studying. but it's not very practical. Like everything hands-on I've learned through YouTube or, you know, like doing things myself, self-taught. Yeah, I definitely use some of the theory in my decision-making. Yeah, sorry, I'm just looking at my notes. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. Yeah. Okay. For example, recently at uni, we were talking about um, what makes content go viral. And so we looked at like the different parts of what can make a message go viral, but we didn't then like create content applying those things, if that makes sense. And so sometimes I think there can be a disconnect between theory and reality Yeah. and you don't know until you actually do it. Uh, where, so yeah, we, when think... you're um, breaking down those videos where you're like studying like Mr. Beast, which is like the biggest YouTube account, or is it just some boring old video as well? We weren't breaking down videos. That's the thing. <laughs> we were just looking at theories and yes, the theories can still be applied, but the theories, some of them are like 20 years old. Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure one of them was from the year 2000. Mm-hmm. And it's like I don't even seen that long ago. <laughs> oh, but it's no, like, like when now, yeah, twenty three years. So yeah, obviously it's a long yeah. time ago. So in like uni, are you talking about things like uh, like hook rates or like um, no, no? <laughs> so a whole time hook of rates. That practical stuff. Okay, cool. And then obviously that's super important with social media, like that first three seconds, especially on TikTok, even just to capture attention in yeah. those first three seconds is massive. And pretty much that's yeah. solely some people's jobs is just creating those hooks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally. It's so important. And yeah, it's not referenced. I think the thing with uni is like, there is no way any curriculum or coursework can keep up yeah. with the digital world. Like for example, you know, Instagram introduces a new feature. So what is the uni going to change their entire curriculum, yeah. set up new assignments, get it all approved, etc. Like it's just not, it's actually not possible. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> um, yeah, just speaking of those approvals, obviously you need to get stuff approved for a uni course. Whereas these online marketing exactly. gurus or courses or whatever, they can just chuck in a, a section whenever they want. And usually it's just like yeah. a 15 to half an hour video of them talking about why yeah. this is happening, why the changes have been made on Instagram and how you can um, benefit from those changes. Yeah. Or even like, a you know, 30 second reel. Yeah. You can learn about new features. Yeah, exactly. Would you say you've learned yeah. more from uni or more from Instagram reels or YouTube? 
It's so hard to say. I think it depends on what service we're talking about. Um, If it's kind of like marketing consultancy, I would say probably slightly more uni, like a 60% uni, 40%, you know, experience and um, self-taught. Because again, the theory, it helps guide your decision making. Mm -hmm. However, you obviously with marketing, like you need to have a really strong understanding of what's happening in the world um, and what's happening on different platforms and all of that. I don't know. But honestly, probably probably more leaning towards the self-taught and like YouTube and yeah 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 i'm personally youtube university kids so yeah i didn't go to the traditional uni at all uh so i've just learned through youtube and courses and stuff like that i probably spent way more than what a uni course is worth uh but i think (laughs) from where i am now i've been uh doing it for over four years now so uh, i think it's been a pretty worthwhile investment for sure and that's the thing you're actually like putting it into action yeah yeah, learning on the job I think a lot is obviously of massive. Do you exactly, do any like exactly. placements or anything like that in agencies with the uni or not in your degree? Um, not in my degree. It is encouraged to do internships. Yeah. And I mean, if you want to get into the workforce, it's essential. You know, they all want like minimum two years experience. Yeah. Um, but I haven't been doing internships because I already study and work full time. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 fair enough. So obviously you've got a fair bit of experience in branding and you've done mine as well. When I first started uh, <laughs> trying to design stuff, like Canva is nowhere what it is today. Um, like it's just yeah. gone to another level, especially with AI coming out uh, recently mm. with those magic updates on Canva and stuff like that. I've been playing around with that and that's pretty cool. But back in the day, obviously so cool. uh, my branding was disgusting before you did it. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, and there is a lot of people that have started businesses uh, through COVID and maybe they're looking to get a rebrand. And I know a lot of businesses have gone through that lately, but what are some of the mm. advice you would give to brands looking to rebrand? Mm. Sorry, let me just look at my notes. That's all right. <laughs> um, okay. I think advice to businesses that want to rebrand is to have a clear vision in mind. Um, I personally strongly recommend working with a graphic designer, especially if it's a rebrand. Yeah. Because it's like you don't want to rebrand too many times. So you really want to get it right. Um, so work with a graphic designer or digital marketer to bring your vision to life, um, because they'll have the experience behind them to know what questions to ask you to make that happen. Yeah. Um, whereas if you're doing it yourself, you're kind of like, maybe I'll do this, you know, and just hope that it works out. Yeah. I think I went (laughs) through about like three different designs, like rebrands before I actually invested in somebody and I could have just saved so much time and effort yeah. and just trying to think of stuff. Uh, it, it's just so hard. Even when like I was working with you, yeah. like I didn't really know what I wanted, but somehow you were able to get it out of me <laughs> just through asking those questions. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. The questions are so important. Um, 
yeah, my other advice would be to get it all done behind the scenes and then launch it all together or as close together as possible so that there's no um, mismatched branding at any point. Yeah. Uh, so for example, like make your new website and your profile picture live at the same time um, and get excited about the rebrand and get your audience excited about it. You know, like you can tease it on your socials um, and get everyone excited to see the new look so that it's not like a sudden weird jarring thing and everyone's like why did you do that yeah you know? that's probably how i launched it <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not too i mean you still got the slingshot and your name is the same yeah so it's not too different yeah so you talked about um mix matched branding right there once you get a rebrand mm. done is it vital that you stick to that 110 percent all the time you have to have that very strict branding guidelines or do you like to push the boundaries on those brandings and maybe go for some left field content as well um so i think with that so there's your brand guidelines like what I created for you, you had a brand guidelines document. And so that has, you know, your color palette, your typography, logos, tone and voice, your mission, your vision, etc. all of that. And it's like, that kind of is what makes up your brand, right? And then with your content, sorry, if you can hear the alarm, uh, with your content, I think you can push the boundaries with what you put out there, as long as it is in, in line with your brand, your vision, your mission, and who you're serving. Yeah. So for example, like, um, I don't know if you've seen Duolingo's TikTok. Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's really all like Ryan Air on TikTok. No. Okay. Well, there are these brand Duolingo is an app that teaches languages. Okay. Oh yeah. 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 Gotcha yeah. And so. But you're talking about yeah. like Duolipa or something. <laughs> No, 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 the app that teaches languages and it's yeah. got like the big green bird. No, nah, I don't know the one you're talking about, but okay. I know it's like similar <laughs> ones. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, from these brands and the other one, Ryanair, they're like a plane, like travel, you know, like Qantas or something. Okay. Yeah. Um, airline. That is the term. They're an airline, um, but their target customer base are like Gen Z. And I guess maybe younger millennials, but I think it's more targeted at Gen Z. Yeah. Um, and so they're able to push the boundaries with what kind of content they produce. Like Duolingo, it's like they're very almost like not safe for work. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it makes their content go viral because Gen Z finds that so funny and so amusing and will like share it. Um, yeah, it's like so that I think it Lotus, also depends, like, Lotus, that Lotus car brand on TikTok. Like that, it's just a meme page. It's just a meme page. Yeah. There's like no cars on it. It's just memes. And then they got <laughs> like a link, to obviously their website and their actual brand. Uh, but like their yeah. TikTok, it's just about going viral. They don't really care what they post. <laughs> yeah, I think that is fine as long as it is in line with your brand so for example if you were like a luxury car brand i don't know if lotus is yeah but if you're a lug really yeah, extra luxury yeah i'd be interested to see their sales versus because there's one thing to have brand awareness but there's another thing to have people wanting your car you know and if you're a luxury car yeah why would someone buy one from memes like i think yeah sorry I'm, my mind's like all over the place now but 
brand positioning as well comes into this. So like, where are you positioned in the consumer's mind as opposed to your competitors? Yeah. Like why would someone want to buy a Lotus car versus, I don't know what, maybe like a BMW or a Mercedes? Is it kind of in that price point? Yeah, I think so. Maybe even more luxury, like a Ferrari. Wow. And so I guess it's kind of like, why are they going to buy one that's promoted through memes? Like, yeah. does that make people see it as cheap? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's just an interesting case study. I haven't seen any numbers around it, but I just yeah. know their page and it's funny as hell. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, cool. So, um, and then obviously the difference between um, obviously sticking to your brand 100% of the time, uh, there's also been a trend where a lot of brands say a few years back, four or five years ago, they're pretty much faceless brands, but we're seeing a massive change mm. with TikTok, especially where brand founders yeah. have to get on camera and give the behind the scenes to build those relationships with their customers. And I know a lot of brand founders don't want to do that, uh, but do you still see yeah a like is that necessary to grow a brand at the moment or is like can you do it through purely um branding i think it really depends i think especially for smaller businesses it can be really helpful and cost effective um because if you don't have the budget for you know influencers or even just gifting influencers you need to get content somehow And so the cheapest way is to do it yourself. Um, I think it is also good to build a connection with your audience. Um, The only thing to consider is what is your goal with the brand? Like, do you eventually want to sell it? Um, Yeah, you need to ask yourself those questions. If it gets like too big, are you gonna be able to film content yourself? Yeah, we actually had this discussion in class recently um, and we were saying like you don't want to be tied so closely with your brand that if you sell it, your customers feel abandoned. Yeah. (laughs) It's a bit like Elon Musk, like he's such a big figure and like if he wasn't the head of say SpaceX or Tesla, would people actually Mm. buy it? Like I I definitely wouldn't be as interested if I didn't know Elon yeah. Musk, like if it was just some random founder that never posted anything or whatever, I, I definitely yeah. wouldn't uh, pay as much attention to those brands as what I do when, it, yeah, as Elon is the head. Yeah. That's the other thing though. I feel like Elon is like his own brand. Yeah. And then he has like Tesla, SpaceX, all of those things. Um, and I think that's a really interesting way to do it. I personally really like that when a brand has like their founder for example there's a few pages where i followed the founder because i like seeing like the lifestyle business kind of stuff and then i follow the business which has more of the actual you know products or services whatever they're selling so you're more saying to separate those accounts rather than doing it all on one account if possible i can see how there are limitations especially if it's a small business yeah But I think some ways to manage it are to work with influencers, obviously, to get your content. Um, You can do paid or gifted. Um, Use different team members in your videos if you have a service-based business. Um, Yeah, it can be a tough balance to strike, but I think it just comes down to 
who your ideal customer is um, and what they want and what your vision is for the business. Yeah, I think it's hard to do it on one account because then you're just mixing and matching your content. Like sometimes you might be just out getting coffee with your kid or something, just going on a morning walk and you happen to be posting that to your business account and there's just a bit of a disconnect. Mm -hmm. Like some people are probably there just to buy the product and look at the product or whatever, do some more research. They don't really, like especially for me, like I don't really care what an influencer brand is doing on a day-to-day basis. Like I just want to see the product, what are the benefits, how is it going to benefit me? Um, sure, somebody, yeah. who, some of the benefit is actually sitting there and watching that founder go through their day and whatever. For me personally, I mm. don't really care. <laughs> but there is yeah. a lot of people that just sit there and binge watch and follow uh, influencers. And even like if you don't consider yourself an influencer as a brand founder, um, you sort of are and you sort of need to become that yeah. as well. But yeah, I would, I would definitely have a business page set up and then obviously your personal brand, build that personal brand alongside the business. Exactly. And you can collab on certain videos, like the example you used, you know, having a coffee with your kid. Say you sell like, I don't know, clothing for busy active mums if you're wearing that clothing then you can post it to your personal story and tag your brand and then like you know work it in that way and i think that can be really good as well yeah that's a good point what advice would you give to somebody looking for more consistency around their posting schedules and stuff like that like i had a client the other day they didn't even know what later was and they've been in business for like three or four years and i was like (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That was my reaction. I was like, what the fuck? You don't know about later? Like, she's just been posting whenever she can. And it's all just like straight off the top of her head, like no scheduling whatsoever. And she posts fairly regularly. And I was like, hey, check this out. Like, this is, these are my posts scheduled out for the next month. And she was mind blown. Yeah. Uh, so if you don't know about later or any scheduling tools, definitely go and do some Googling on that. But yeah. what about some more time-saving tips from the social media management, especially if you are a brand uh f- that's doing like a personal brand on the side as well as a business page it can become a lot and coming up with content creation ideas and everything like that yeah um sorry i just want to confirm this wasn't on the list of questions was it because uh, <laughs> i can answer it off the top of my head but i want to make how, how do you up. balance the need for creativity and motivation when uh, with the uh, need for consistency and reliability and branding. So, yeah, I didn't yeah, read I the see. end of that. But, no, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I answered that question completely different in the notes. But the way oh, you just right. worded it, um, yeah, things like, wait, could you please repeat the question that you worded? Yeah. So how can brands get more consistent in their posting, whether it's like a scheduling tool or something like that? Yeah, um, definitely having a marketing calendar of key dates. Um, so, for example, having, you know, the following month set up and you can see like Mother's Day is coming up or like Click Frenzy is coming up. Um, and then you can like spread your budgets accordingly. This is especially helpful for paid ads and if you work with influencers and things. Um, and yeah, having a content calendar like later um is honestly i think it's essential like even if you don't do auto posting just to be able to see that everything's set up can take so much stress and like mental energy (laughs) 
off of your plate. Um, also using AI tools, like I use ChatGPT um, to help me come up with ideas. So usually yeah. I'll brainstorm some things myself. Um, and then if I hit a roadblock, I'll just type into ChatGPT, you know, what are 50 Instagram story ideas for a product-based business that specializes in blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. And it'll generate a heap of stuff for you. Uh, and then you actually need to go and do it. Action. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I find obviously scheduling posts um, very helpful in saving time and like obviously batching content. It's yeah. a massive time hack. But then if you're running a business on like if you're running a business as well like even just scheduling posts can take hours and hours and hours so yeah. investing once you get to a certain stage like if you find yourself running out of time of the day and you're missing posts and stuff like that you definitely need to get a social media manager on oh, board. Yeah. and while it might seem expensive just for them sitting there and typing stuff out like they're probably copy pasting from chat gpt and changing a couple of words <laughs> anyway like, i don't do that <laughs> I do that. <laughs> so, I do that. like, obviously, you use ChatGPT as a tool. You don't copy it word for word because it sounds yeah. like a robot. Just, but yeah. to get like sentence structures and stuff like that down yeah. and then just rewording it, uh, I find that really helpful. But yeah. obviously, that's still time consuming as well. And I probably yeah. spend five to 10 hours just scheduling posts a week and yeah. just making sure I have the right thumbnail for the right post. And I was going to say, uh, it's a massive headache. Yeah, especially with video content. Like I think always prioritize video content and for a business owner to be able to create the content and then edit the content and then schedule the content, match it up with trending audios, etc. That's like a lot of work. So yeah. if you can invest in a social media manager, I think it's definitely worthwhile um yeah even a video editor like editing yeah. takes so long and it and it can become very repetitive yeah. and you can sort of systemize it as well like once you start to get a feel for the style that you like like it's gets really repetitive yeah. uh so yeah, investing in video editing as well and even like get a good team in place and then they can also um, mix and match certain content pieces so you don't always have to be creating new content over yeah. and over again like b-rolls super important i don't do enough of it i don't have any b-roll saved up but yeah. uh, I, I think you put out a real the other yes. day just be like <laughs> oh i can just make content from my b-roll just shit i'm doing every single day and people will gobble that up yes literally because it just comes down to like what value you're delivering right and so this comes back to as well if you don't want to show your face you could take the b-roll approach and just do like little snippets of your life it can literally be like you know getting a coffee and then you know what work you're doing um walking down the streets of melbourne like all these things yeah. and then you just pop some text over the top and the text could be, I mean, for my business, things like, you know, here's some hook ideas. Yeah. Like a five or 10 second video. And that has the potential to go viral because it's giving value. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I see a lot of brands just even just throwing their product around in different scenes, like they'll just throw it in some leaves or they'll just throw it in some dirt or whatever. <laughs> and then that's that's their video. And yeah. it, it works really well because uh, it's just something different and exactly. people don't expect it, I guess. It's just not high 
like super high quality product photography yeah. uh, that is starting to stand out more and more because people have like, it went from like super professional product photography and then it went to like raw content and yeah. just filming it on your iPhone. And now once you see good product photography, it's like actually capturing attention right now. I've noticed this myself when I'm scrolling through my Facebook and an ad pops up. Like yeah. if I see some influencer with their product up with next to their face, I'm just like, Oh, just fucking selling yeah. shit. <laughs> but then Literally. I scroll down and I see an actual good product photography. I'm like, Oh, I'm interested yeah. in that. Whereas I know you, you G, obviously works very well especially my client accounts but for me personally yeah. like product photography uh, that captures my attention probably because I'm interested in digital marketing branding no, and everything like but that. also that makes so much sense one of the theories that we were recently learning about in class, and this is where the theory comes into it there's this theory called yeah. the purple cow theory and it's essentially like you know you see cows especially us being from the country <laughs> maybe if you don't see cows often it's like oh there's a cow but like when we yeah, see cows, city people definitely do yeah. get like that. <laughs> but when we oh, see cows, oh, there's kangaroo. Yeah, when we see cows or like kangaroos or something, it's like you know, it's a cow, it's a kangaroo, whatever. If you saw a purple cow, you'd be like, "What the fuck?" Like that cow is purple. Yeah. It's different, you know. It stands out, and I think that comes down to what you were just talking about. Like when something is different it catches your attention. So that's why the throwing your product in the leaves or in the dirt might work. But if that's done too many times, people aren't going to care anymore. Yeah, it starts yeah. to get repetitive. So yeah, mixing yeah. up your content and having, I don't know, some sort of strategy or plan, or even if you're just asked an outside consultant to come in and be like, what ideas do you have for my brand? Let's create some yeah. content. That's going to bring somebody's fresh eyes into your brand and probably come up with angles that you've never thought of. Yeah. And also test different things because you really don't know what's going to work until you do it. Yeah, everyone always says that. Just keep posting on TikTok. Something will go viral and it'll, it'll be the thing that you least expect. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> be some stupid dance that you've been doing. Yeah, literally. We're speaking about branding, especially for e-commerce brands. What are some of the most underrated aspects of branding that you find that people just mm. miss? I really liked this question. Um, okay, so... I'm going to answer it from like an academic. <laughs> okay. Look, you know, like a technical standpoint. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, okay. So there's, I think there's like five or six elements that make up branding. Right. Um, and I would say the ones that are the most underrated are either brand identity or brand positioning. Um, brand identity, because there's so much noise at the moment with like social media and everything that if you want to make any kind of impact, you need to have a clearly defined brand persona so that it's like easily recognizable, you know, um, and brand positioning, because I feel like so many businesses, like I want to say, I don't know the actual statistics, but I want to say like 90% of business owners don't research their target audience, like their target market or their competitors, especially not at the beginning. Um, yeah, so, I find that especially with like baby brands because I do a lot mm -hmm. of advertising for baby brands. Yeah. Like the mums that are buying online are not going to Kmart and Big W to do, go clothes shopping, for example. Like 
if they're online shopping, they're pretty bougie and you could probably sell higher ticket items yeah. on Facebook and Instagram because they're trying to create a lifestyle that they keep seeing on Facebook and Instagram, yeah. which is very polished. Yeah. So if you're like, especially in the baby niche, and if you're struggling with product margins and stuff like that, obviously shipping's gone through the roof. One of the easiest ways for you to increase your profits is to actually increase your products. And just because you might be positioning yourself more expensive in the market, that's probably more relatable to your target market because they're not shopping at Big W or Kmart, and they're probably trying to outdo their friends that also have small children. Like if you go over to somebody's house, they'll be like, oh, let me show you this new couch that I brought or this new rug or this new piece of clothing or whatever. And they just start trying to outdo each other. So I think that's a pretty cool hack is to just increase your pricing. Obviously it depends on your target market. But that comes down to your positioning. So you need to know like what differentiates you from your competitors and what your customer wants. Um, and then yeah. how your customer sees you in their mind compared to your competitors. It's like, you know, luxury brands versus premium brands, users, high street brands, right? Like there is no way that it actually costs $7,000 to make a single handbag. Yeah. Like it's just not a thing. Um, even if you're using, you know, beautiful, genuine Dinosaur leather. skin. Yeah, <laughs> dinosaur skin, you know, it might be a bit more. <laughs> if we're, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, but the thing is, like what you were just saying, that's what your customer wants. Like they want to be yeah. like, oh, look at me, I spent $7,000 on this bag. It is probably also a beautiful bag, but there's also beautiful bags for $100. So yeah, uh, yeah there was a case study, I can't remember the brand, but um increasing their prices like nobody was buying them like they were just like oh it's a bit you know shit but then they increased their prices and all of a sudden everyone wanted it and i think it's actually quite common yeah it's it's just like perceived quality (laughs) exactly exactly closely linked to price yeah yeah for sure so yeah there are a couple of the uh, i guess overlooked aspects of branding do you have anything else No, I would say those are honestly the main two. But I do also want to mention, this is it. Sorry, how do I word this? Products and services. It matters for both products and services. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, if you're going to Fiverr and looking for Facebook ads, for example, and you're paying somebody $5 an hour, um, you can expect to get the results that you should be expecting. Exactly. Which is trash. Exactly. And you know, sometimes people's prices don't always match their quality, but for the most part, they do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Very cool. So earlier we were speaking about ChatGPT and like obviously the AI advances, especially with Canva as well and Canva Magic. What? How do you Mm. see that effect in the space over say the next three to five years? Yeah. So AI, I definitely see continuing to impact things heavily, especially as it becomes more accessible. Um, So I think before, sorry if you heard my tummy rumble, I think before um, a lot of people didn't get to use AI just because they didn't understand it. They didn't know where to find the tools, but now it's everywhere. You know, it's in Canva and you can use it. I'm pretty sure it's a free feature on Canva, isn't it? 
Uh, I'm not sure. I just have the paid version. So same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> worthwhile investment. Brand owners, if you're watching this, <laughs> Canva is a worthwhile investment. Um, but yeah, I see AI being used more um, for everything from like research and uh, analytics to campaign creation. I've even seen some um, AI generated campaigns like video and photo, mm -hmm. which is wild. And I kind of feel bad for creatives who are losing their jobs. Um, but from a business point of view, you can save a lot of money by doing those sorts of things. Um, I see, oh, sorry. I see video animation and animation being big, um, particularly with AI making it so much easier to get messages out there. Yeah. Um, and after probably the five year mark, I see, um, AR and VR being more like commonplace again, yeah. especially as it becomes more accessible. Um, yeah, it's sort of yeah. become, it's sort of like when crypto market was pumping and then all those um, gaming uh, cryptos were pumping and then obviously Meta got on board. Facebook changed their name to Meta, like the metaverse is going to be pretty big and how that's going to affect digital marketing, especially branding, all yeah. that sort of thing. It's going to be very different. I imagine it to be more like, I don't know, like that Tokyo vibe, just like neon signs everywhere. If you put yeah. on a pair of glasses, <laughs> then you're walking down the street and yeah. there's just neon signs everywhere. You take them off them. there's actually just blank billboards or whatever. Uh, so I think yeah. stuff like that is going to happen for sure. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, obviously AI is just going to get better and better. It's mainly just text-based at the moment and yeah. it, it can lie to you as I've seen some examples. Uh, yeah, so it's starting crazy. to become pretty scary at the moment. So I don't know if it's going to be banned yeah. or anything, but I think with the rate it's progressing at the moment, uh, you're dumb not to be using it um, and trying yeah. to get ahead of the curve. Even if you can just for increase sure. your productivity writing captions, for example, like that's going to save you yeah. hours during the week so you can concentrate on maybe calling up your manufacturer and um, negotiating better rates or whatever. And that's going to improve exactly. your product margin for everything that you sell and it's going to have an impact on your bottom line. So there's some of the for use sure. cases for AI that you can be using using right now uh, to improve your yeah. business. It's not always just about caption writing. It's about what you can do with that extra time that you probably sure. should be focusing on anyway, those high leverage activities. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. In terms of trends for brands, I think just, um, yeah, the increased pressure to be more transparent, have ethical supply chains, be eco-friendly, et cetera. Um, and marketing techniques like gamification. So making things, you know, having like rewards and that kind of thing, which really lends itself to the virtual space and especially like VR and the metaverse and all of that. I think that's going to be big in more like the five to 10 year range. Yeah, I think but, yeah. brands are going to start. And looking into yeah nfts and stuff like that as well um digital assets yeah if they haven't already most brands haven't uh so getting yeah. invested into those say if you buy a product get these exclusive nfts or whatever probably for mm. more bigger influences uh like gary yeah. v obviously is heavily invested in 
NFTs and his projects going well from memory <laughs> it was when I was like yeah. when the bull market was around anyway so not sure how it's going now but stuff like that is just going to become more and more commonplace even for event yeah. ticket sales and stuff like that they're all going to be NFTs yeah. and it's going to be used every day it's like I went to the footy a couple of weeks ago down in Melbourne and my uncle just printed off the tickets on a piece of paper I was like, what are you doing <laughs> just scan yeah. it on your phone yeah, literally, I, I, went, I took a couple of flights recently and I could get my, like, ticket on my phone. I was like, whoa, I'm living in the future. Like, no printed ticket at all. Yeah, Wild. yeah, it's pretty crazy how fast it's progressing and, you know, obviously some people are trying to stop it, but I don't know if that's going to happen yeah. or not. <laughs> It'll probably just take over the world Terminator soon. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So uh, speaking about branding, obviously AI can help with branding, especially when you're getting started. What sort of advice do you have for somebody getting started and maybe instead of them going down the wrong path, maybe putting them on the right path before they even get started? Yeah. Um, let me find my notes. Sorry. Good thing we can clip this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, Okay. Advice for e-commerce brands that are just starting out um, and are wanting to establish their brand image. I would say research the competitive landscape. I know that sounds really boring, but it is so important. Um, so do a SWOT analysis. You can find um, examples on, you know, Google or Canva. It's SWOT, S-W-O-T. Um, what does that actually stand for? Because like I've heard that term, but I have no idea what it actually means. Yeah. So it's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Um, and so it's really important to do it for your own business, but it's also super helpful to list like three of your major competitors and go through each of their strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats as best as you can. Yeah. Um, and it's from a like external and internal perspective. So, you know, what's happening in the world and how could that influence your business? Um, and then also just like, what are your strengths and weaknesses internally? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that is super helpful. It can also help you find a gap in the market, which is why I really, really recommend it. Mm -hmm. um, create customer personas. Um, again, you can find templates on Canva or Google um and make it really defined and then research your customer you know find out what they like and what they don't like and what platforms they use what sort of accounts they follow what sort of content they engage with all of that just really get to know your customer um sorry my tummy's rumbling. <laughs> um uh create mood boards to help communicate your vision even if it's just for yourself and you're doing it all yourself at first yeah um Pinterest is great for that or Behance. You just want to be able to see it in front of you and refer back to it when you're making decisions, especially when designing. Um, yeah. I think <clears throat> one of the main things I struggled with, especially when I was starting to do branding, it was just even picking the color. It's like, what color do I want to mm. be stuck with for the next 10 years? <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously it changes. Uh, so yeah, trying to get that down pat in the very beginning and make sure you have a color combination that you actually like is 
going to be pretty yeah. important because you don't want to be changing colors all that regularly. And a, no. like a website that I used uh, was Coolers, I think it is, something like that. It's very similar to Colors, Coolers or something like that. And it will oh, pretty yeah. much just give you like heaps of different trending colors, um, designed, like proper actually designed color combinations and stuff like that. Whereas me, instead of just going to pretty much Canva and just clicking on a few colors that I like and seeing how it looks, uh, they yeah. actually have like contrasting colors or colors that actually go yeah. together rather than me trying to pick them out. Yeah. yeah I don't even know also the words to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're um, doing it yourself and you're talking about colors, sorry, it just reminded me. Also research color theory um, because that's super important in your branding. But I think working, like if you really want to get it right, I think investing in a good graphic designer or digital marketer is just Not like. Not like me, <laughs> like a, a graphic <laughs> designer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like someone who does all of the things or a graphic designer. Yeah. Um, because yeah, again, they're going to be able to ask you the right questions um, and show you, like, say you want, you know, blues and greens, they can show you all the different variations of blues and greens that would be good for a Facebook ad specialist, for example. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also having brand guidelines to be able to refer back to um, for all decision making and content creation and giving to your different, like, people that you have working with you yeah what are the main mistakes you see for new businesses in terms of their branding is it pretty much just not investing that time and effort or investing in that knowledge and they've just slapped something together to get to the market or what other mistakes do you see i think probably trying to do too much um so making things really busy that's yeah. when you can usually tell that it wasn't done by a graphic designer. Um, and it just looks a bit like lower quality. And by this, I just mean like, you know, making it in Canva and just having like too much going on. Um, another mistake I see that's definitely worth mentioning is using fonts that are not for commercial use. So like legally <laughs> you can't actually use just any old font like it has to be um, same as music you know you have to use royalty free music um yeah. with fonts some of them aren't free for commercial use so you need to be careful of that yeah yeah um yeah i'm always going to royalty free but i don't know if anyone's ever been done for <laughs> copying some nah, text but... i feel like I feel, I feel like, like it's just a myth. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I it's just yeah. a myth. But obviously, if you're copying Nike's logo or something, and you get to some sort of scale, then there might be a bit of a problem. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, definitely try to use or definitely use royalty free where you can. And there's heaps and heaps of royalty free stuff now, and it's just getting yeah. like bigger and bigger by the day. The um, royalty free library, uh, especially with AI coming out, is just generating music by itself now so <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah definitely something to keep in mind like don't be plagiarizing anything in yeah. your business especially in your branding because you don't want to have to change that yeah for sure so obviously you're a pretty busy person as well um mixing uni mm. um and then you're also running an agency on the side and i'm sure you have some other hobbies that you get up to but sort of how do you balance that mix between uni work your personal life and stuff like that 
Um, so definitely batching. So for example, like I have all of my uni classes on a Tuesday. And so I'll have class on a Tuesday and then I'll do my assignments that night. Um, and then for the rest of the days of the week, I have two core tasks and it just kind of takes a bit of stress off my shoulders because I always know that everything's going to get done on its assigned day. Um, yeah, obviously if something's urgent, you need to respond to it, but that doesn't usually come up. I've found, I always think things are urgent, but when it actually comes down to it, it's like, if it's going to be done tomorrow, that's also fine. Yeah. I struggle with that as well. Like if, when I get a slack message, like it's 7 PM at night or whatever, I find myself having to respond to it. Um, And then I end up changing campaigns that late at night or whatever, or adding a new creative or whenever it just comes up, I'm really bad for that. But I found like um, time boxing is really helpful. So just batching Mm. all everything that you need to do on a list and then organizing on a timesheet after that. So yeah, I'll just batch it. And then 9am I'm doing this, 10am I'm doing that, 10.30 I'm doing this. So finding that, just putting time limits on it as well helps you stay more productive during the day. Uh, And then trying to, I don't, Typically, but I do find when I do plan out my week, I get more done as well, or especially on the more important tasks that I might be not looking forward to as much, uh, like going through a rebrand, for example. Like I delayed Mm. that for quite a while just because I knew it was going to be a lot of effort. But putting that on a to-do list, just expanding the timeline for that, don't, like I'm really bad for unreasonable expectations as well like i tried to migrate my crm uh from one software to another and i was like oh yeah i'll get that done in a couple of hours all i need to do is download the csv file upload it to the new one um yeah that's been a few weeks now and i still haven't got right so uh, just setting a couple hours like if you need a rebranding done obviously it's going to take some time so maybe just set it down hey by the end of the month i want this finished and set aside an hour or two each day to work on that or something like that um so yeah Yeah. obviously planning out helps out for sure and i think yeah with the two core tasks it just helps like within that you can break it down you know by hour or whatever but it helps if you don't have to do like mental gear switching you know like oh i'm gonna do my uni assignment and then I'm going to design some emails and then I'm going to have some meetings like you're just going to end up exhausted and you know at the end of the day when your brain just feels like mush like you're going to feel like that every day and it's not sustainable so yeah having these things in place is definitely essential really well there you have it unfortunately this is the end of the episode but if you're looking for more be sure to find more episodes on the platform you're viewing on or head over to instagram to find tons of valuable clips